Welcome to the Center for Family Business podcast. The Center for Family Business is a community organization supporting, educating, and energizing family business in Waterloo Region, Ontario, Canada. Today's hosts are Graham Taylor, Sarah Flanagan, and myself, Lance Nielsen. We welcome our guest, Sean Casemore. Sean is an author, a speaker, and a consultant. And Sean is on a mission to help business owners create unstoppable sales in their business. So please welcome Sean Casemore. Sean, can you tell us a little about yourself, how you got into public speaking, consulting, and then what is it you do now? And also, could you tell us how you started your family business? Thanks for asking, Lance. Uh, I actually had a career. Uh, I started working in uh, post-college with a number of companies, Magna International, Arvin Meritor, uh, some packaging companies, including Bellwick Packaging, which is a family-owned business, by the way. Uh, I moved from there to uh, Bruce Power. Uh, for me, Bruce Power being a non-family-owned business, a very large corporate culture, it did not fit well. And I found I really missed working in the family-owned business, that uh, I knew the owners, I knew the son, the son, or sorry, the son-in-law, his wife, uh, the father who'd started the business. So long story short, um, in 2009, after being at Bruce Power for several years, I decided to move out on my own. Uh, I believed I had skills, I guess, at the end of the day, I could help others with and uh, really launched uh, my own company, which at that time started uh, working in the area of leadership development because that I'd led teams since the age of 23. Uh, at that time, I was around uh, mid-30s, I think, if I recall correctly. And um, what, that leadership development kind of expanded. Uh, I ended up working with a lot of sales teams. And uh, I love sales. There was a, a, Early in my career, there was a, a period of time I moved back to my hometown and sold cars. And I really enjoyed that over all of the other careers I had. So kind of made that transition over the years from leadership work to working with leaders in sales to working with sales teams. And here we are today, uh, really consulting and speaking on the topic of sales. Well, that's great, Sean. Thanks for sharing. Great. Um, and Sean, I believe you have had some past interactions with uh, the Center for Family Business as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, sure. So uh, they're beyond interactions. I think I've had good experiences. Um, dating back probably six years ago, um, I had uh, met Dave actually uh, at an event. I was uh, with Cafe in Southwestern Ontario for a period of time when they were still alive. And um, so I had met Dave at, at some event that we were at and, and uh, connected with him, ended up speaking at an event um, and then met Janice and, and have been back uh, speaking on a couple of occasions since and have joined as a member. I mean, I have a family-owned business. It is a small one. Um, it is my wife who does all of the book work and the running around to the bank and doing all that good stuff while I'm traveling or these days tied to my computer for 12 hours a day. And uh, so I, I know those experiences. So we joined as, as members and uh, it's been a great experience. But I really liken uh, CCFB to being a real, CFFB, excuse me, to being a real family-oriented uh, group. I mean, it's, it's uh, all about people getting together and sharing. And that's what I really appreciate. A lot of nice people. So. Yeah. Uh, sure, Sean. Um, so you've had a lot of experience in sales and you're an expert in sales as, uh, you know, your resume says, and my mother-in-law as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So what, what do you actually like about sales versus, you know, other parts of entrepreneurship or, you know, uh, business ownership? What, 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 a, what part of sales do you like the most? Or um, So yeah, that's, a, that's a good question. I, I think, uh, Graham, if I think about sales, I mean, what I enjoy when I went back to my first real, I always say, if you go to my website, I talk about the fact that I started sales at, at age 11 because I was about 11 or 12 when I, I was go, getting ready to go to school. And at that time, you know, you're growing by leaps and bounds. So all of your genes were short, right? They're way above your ankle. And I still remember clear as a bell. I said to my mom, look, I need, you know, five pair of jeans. There's five days in a week. And she said, I'm buying two. I said, what do I do with the other one? She said, you better go make some money. So I started knocking on doors, shoveling driveways, which we still do up here, cutting lawns, painting fences, decks, you name it. So, but later professionally, when I went into to selling cars, I just enjoy working with people. And, and that maybe sounds sappy or, or I don't know, but, but I just enjoy people. I enjoy helping people. And what I found in leadership is it's very um, subjective, right? I mean, I can tell you, hey, based on my personality, my experiences, here's what you should do to be a more effective leader. And you know, 80% of that will probably work for you. 20% might not. But in sales, it's very measurable. If I say do this, you'll sell more and you do, great. If you don't, there's a problem on my end, right? So I find it's, it's uh, I enjoy the that side of it where you can measure your results very closely, make adjustments in your approach, in the technology you're using, in, in, in every, your strategy, and you can actually see the impacts. Uh, but, but I think it comes down to people. I just enjoy working with people. Well, speaking of people, how can sales teams build relationships with customers when because of COVID, outside sales reps are doing sales calls from the parking lot outside the building or on Zoom. So face-to-face -face versus a, a virtual environment, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, parking lot, uh, I, I was, I, I led a, a not-for-profit for a period of time. I, I took a, a break. I was traveling a lot. So I helped a gentleman transition in retirement, again, family-owned business. And um, it was a not-for-profit, but he had started it, founded it, and, and his family was involved. Uh, and I used to love just driving around and knocking on doors of potential members pre COVID of course. Yeah. And people thought I was crazy. And I said, well, look, I, I grew up on car sales. I mean, you're dying to see people. Anybody walks in the parking lot, I'm running to try and reach them first. So I, I've never found approaching people difficult. And, and I think that's something you just have to get used to. And if you have the mindset that I'm here to help, I'm not here to try and sell you. I'm not here to try and get one over on you. I'm just here to try and help. I think that makes face to face selling a lot better. There's a lot more to it, obviously, in that. Uh, and I don't think you want me to go into my eight-step process here. Um, but but that's kind of the, the premise is, is uh, focus on the conversation, try and be of help. And if you don't make the sale at that point, it, it will come as long as that person knows that you do sell something. Uh, virtual is a little bit different. But what I think people miss is the fact that in the virtual environment, you can still bring that person-to-person -person contact. So if I was going to set up a meeting, uh, let's say with Graham here, sales calls, and, and Graham is my buyer. Um, I might send Graham a Starbucks coffee card before the meeting uh, with a little note to say, look, typically I'd bring you a coffee. Can't obviously do that. So I want to make sure you pick this up prior to our meeting. I don't care when you get it. Mm -hmm. um, I would probably send you a written card post that virtual event. And even in the event itself, if I'm doing a presentation and you know we're online right now talking, we're looking at each other, you know, I, I train sales teams that it's, it's all about, I mean, number one, make sure you're always looking at that guy there. 
too many of us get over here looking at our slides and the sales presentation has us looking off to the right rather than looking at the person we're talking to. And our slides themselves, if we are using them, become this book where we believe we have to cover all 65 slides to be effective when in reality, you know, the, the sales conversation is a series of questions to our buyer and then responses, which might mean I jump to slide 65, back to slide 40, and I don't touch any other slides. So I got to let the, the buyer drive. So it, it's really a little different virtually, but it's still focusing on the same fundamentals. Focus on the individual. It's okay to have small talk. I mean, I can see right now that, uh, uh, well, as I made a joke earlier, Sarah, your camera, I can tell, is down low and you're sitting up much higher, right? So I could, I made a joke of that right at the beginning. I said, wow, you look much taller today, right? So stuff like that breaks the ice, no different than if we we're sitting face to face. So it's, it's the same approach. Just you have to think about the nuances of being in a virtual environment. Those are some great points. And obviously virtual is becoming more and more of a reality in the sales um, process these days with COVID and everything going on around us. And I'm sure there's been a lot of changes to the sales landscape. Um, and you shared a lot of great advice um, for anyone listening in from the CFFB membership. Um, do you have one key piece of advice that you'd want to pass along to them? Uh, being owners and members of their family businesses? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on, their, I'd take one piece of advice and split it up because everybody, there's, there's about three different scenarios that I would think listeners are in. The, the scenario number one, they'd like to sell more, but they can't get people. And that's a struggle for everybody right now. And I'd say, hold, hold on closely to the people you have, treat them really well, and, and chances are they'll stick with you. Um, and don't be afraid to try new things. If, if you can't hire two or three salespeople, what are other strategies? There's companies out there that offer kind of for hire salespeople. They'll do cold calling for you. There's you know a lot of technology behind marketing today that can at least develop some awareness of your company that you can then follow up on. So you have to be willing to, to make some changes if you can't hire to fill those voids. And there, there's strategies out there that work. If you're in the position of you don't want to sell more because you can't get enough parts to supply whatever it is you have and you've got supply chain issues. Well, sometimes you have to back off a little bit. But what I tell people is when they say to me, Sean, I don't need sales help. We don't need sales right now. I say, okay, so what's your sales cycle? Because you're telling me if you're backing off right now, how long are you going to feel that impact for? Because eventually you're going to get those parts. And if you haven't made sales, if you haven't kept your foot in the gas, then what happens, right? You, the sales to me is something you can never stop. Sure, you might ease off a bit but you can't just stop it. And when times are slow, it's a great time to say, let's bring the team together and look at improving our skills so we can be more effective, again, solving the first issue with the people that we have. Um, so that's kind of scenario number number two. Scenario number three is where people just, you know, they, they want more sales regardless of where they're at. They're hungry for it. They want to grow using sales. What would my advice be there? Yeah, to me, it's about systematizing what it is you're doing. So uh, I just finished uh, my third book, which is supposed to go to print here, I think in the next month. Uh, called the unstoppable sales machine and i broke out the eight components to build an unstoppable sales machine and it's really blending you know a lot of the current virtual and i would call it hybrid selling strategies that people are using which is a combination of in person and virtual uh, and mixing those and bringing together your marketing department and your inside sales and customer service to create a team of people that are all there out there with one goal in mind right which is to sell and support customers so uh, if you bring those teams together in a more effective way, you'll find you get better results because how often you hear that, well, the salesperson closed it, but we lost a customer because they, you know, sales believes that customer service didn't treat them well. 
or marketing thinks they got us a lead, but the lead wasn't relevant, so sales dismissed it. There's too much um, disengagement or uh, division between internal departments. And if we get them working together, rowing in the, in the same direction, we'll get a lot better results. Um, well, thanks for that answer, Sean. Um, so you did, you did mention like hiring uh, new people and, you know, it is very, very hard to get anybody to, uh, you know, uh, good candidates, uh, across the board in, in any role, but in sales in particular, is there any skill, um, you know, during, you know, a more technologically advanced age and the pandemic uh, going on around us, is there any skill we should be looking for today that we shouldn't have, that we might not have been looking for five or 10 years ago? And the reverse of that, is there anything that, you know, is not needed anymore, you know, that was valuable to a salesperson 10 years ago? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, um, you want to make sure, obviously, that whoever you're hiring today is comfortable with technology. I don't think they need to be professionals at it. But if you're hiring somebody, I don't want to say older than me, but let's say my age, I'll make fun of myself. So I'm, I, I dare say it, I'm heading towards 50. So uh, if you hire somebody who's 50 who doesn't own a cell phone and doesn't really believe in websites and, and just wants to go beat the bushes, you know, knock on doors all day, they're maybe not going to be a good long-term employee right now because the sales right now, you have to be willing to flex, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the I, I would say the obvious characteristics that you're looking for are people who are at least comfortable with technology. But but it still comes back to the fundamentals. I think sales, we, we still buy from people we know, like, and trust. So the individual you're hiring, I'm a, still a fan. And I said this years ago um, in one of my uh, presentations, I think, that I did for the CFFB was... I'm a fan of hiring for fit within the team and and then training for the role, right? If that person fits in the team and the group in the company, I can train anybody for anything. Now in sales, they have to be comfortable with people. If they're an extreme introvert and the goal is to be outreach all the time, that's going to be a challenge. But those are really the the, the bookends, if you will, of my hiring. If it's difficult to get a really talented salesperson, I'm going to hire somebody that's eager to work that's good with people, but might not have a lot of sales skills. And I'm going to train them. I'm going to train them how we sell. Um, and, and that person will appreciate that. And, and if we treat them well, they'll probably stick around longer. But I'll, I'll tell you something else that a lot of people don't consider. I was talking to a gentleman that runs one of the largest um, equipment rental companies across Canada, not that long ago. And he was sharing with me, he said, they just hired a ton of salespeople. I don't know what a ton is. It sounded like around 20, give or take, which is a lot. And I said, wow, like, where did you find them? How did you hire them? He said, I am paying them a fortune. Like he said, it's ridiculous, the entry level that I'm paying them. I'm like, ugh. He said, but you know what? He said, based on what I'm planning to pay, which is much more than I ever would have paid before, I'm getting good quality candidates. I'm not getting people that are worth half that, you know? And he says, and we're hiring the people. The interviews are easy because they have the experience. So he says, if you pay more, you tend to attract the right people. So don't be scared to say, well, we've always paid uh, 60 grand, 80 grand, 100 grand, whatever the number is, maybe you got to up it by 20 to get somebody's attention. But his experience is you're getting the right people. And in sales, it's worth it. If that person can sell, they will make their, that's the one role where they can earn their income pretty quick, right? And they can double, triple, quadruple, or times, 10 times their income pretty quickly. And if they can do that, it's worth the investment. So, Yes, I would agree with that. Sean, what are ways that a family business can differentiate themselves from competition beyond the classic, there is a human being on the other side of the phone, cliche. Yeah. 
So I think in, in, if you look at generally in the marketplace, how can a family business stand out amongst competitors, whether they're bigger or, or you know, such? Um, I think the key is, and, and this is my bias because I look here, it's very easy to look, but think today, if, if you were to go buy anything, it doesn't matter, a personally, a car, hairspray, I don't know, wh whatever you can think of, hair dryer, toothbrush, you name it. If it's new, wh where's the first place you typically go to check out a company if you've heard of their product somewhere? Usually you go to the website, right? You check it out. And whether you saw that on Facebook or LinkedIn or somebody told you about it at a party or you got an email, whatever it is, you, you go to their website. So I often tell family businesses, that's where your buyers are going. You know, B2B or B2C, they're going to your website to check you out and learn more. I don't think family businesses, not all of them, obviously, but many of the ones I've interacted with, don't do a good enough job of tooting the horn to say we are a family business. And here's what that means. People are related. They know each other. We have good days and we have pretty bad fights, but at the end of the day, we're all, we are all rolling in the same direction because we all go home together at night or we all see each other at Christmas and Easter and right. So you, you want to really promote that a family business has a certain culture. It attracts a lot of people. And you know, if, if that, if you gain a customer as a family owned business, they're part of your family. That's a story and a message that should be throughout your website and your marketing materials, your sales materials. And I don't think family businesses do a good enough job of doing it. They might have a page or they got an award, that's it, right? The whole thing should be about, hey, we, yeah, we've got the products, but you know what we have that our competitors don't? We've got a family of people, both related and unrelated, but we act like a family, we work like a family, and you're going to become part of that family if you buy from us, right? So I, I think that's a good, uh, I'll say that's more of a marketing message, but it's also a good story that salespeople can be telling when they're meeting with potential uh, buyers. No, no, that's, that's great. And, uh, you know, being part of a family business, you definitely you know, see the, the value that you get uh, from, you know, we interact with big corporations all the time yeah. and, you know, Stonewall or, you know, uh, they don't know each other as well. Marketing, the hand doesn't talk to the other hand kind of thing. Um, yeah. And, you know, at, our, at my business in particular, I mean, I interact with every single person in the building pretty yeah. much every day. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I know what's going on in every department every day and uh, that that is an advantage that we definitely have over some some of our bigger competition absolutely uh sean you mentioned uh, your new book coming out do you want to uh give us a little plug tell us what uh we can expect to see in it and uh, where we could get our hands on it yeah so i i don't have an exact publication date yet i actually in all honesty have a call with the publisher tomorrow i spent my christmas holidays with the exception of one day finishing it it was two to four hours a day um Merry Christmas. And, uh, but it is done, submitted, and we have a call tomorrow just to cover it off. So uh, the plan is for end of February, it to be released. Um, what I, and I mean, for all I know, maybe it'll be March, maybe it'll be earlier, I'm not sure. But uh, the title is The Unstoppable Sales Machine. And I would suggest I'll, I'll probably be connecting with Janice and, and trying to give away books at the time. So I'm sure if you follow me on LinkedIn or, or I guess Facebook, you name it, uh, you'll hear all about it when the time comes and I'll be doing giveaways uh, with books as well. So the, the book itself is, as I mentioned, I really take all my experiences in working with family owned businesses and other kinds of businesses in every sector you can imagine from uh, SaaS companies that, that build software to uh, financial firms that uh, provide CFO services, uh, planning services to manufacturers, to distributors, you name it. Um, so, but all B2B. Um, and I really break out eight different components that I've helped people put together, sometimes all together, sometimes as individual components, but those work together 
And if done correctly, they create really a, a sales machine that helps you generate sales um, on a nonstop basis. So it's, it's those experiences, examples, and it's broken out into a thing that you could really just open the book up and follow it cover to cover and apply this to your own company. So follow me on LinkedIn or Twitter or uh, just watch it, C- CFFB, and you'll hear all about it when the time comes because I'll be standing on the rooftops wearing a mask, shouting as loud as I can. Okay. Uh, we'll be sure to put a link in uh, the description for this, and uh, we'll definitely uh, post some of your stuff on CFFB's channels so uh, we can get the word out there for you for sure. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to reading it. Um, Sean, this has been great, like all of your answers and your take on sales, I think, with a lot of businesses and often family businesses, it's very easy to look at sales and view sales as it's the way we've always done it. And let's keep doing it that way. It's worked for us to get us to this point. And there's so much changing in the business world and society in general, our consumers, even if they're businesses we're selling to, they're still regular people at the end of the day, and you obviously need to be adjusting your strategy um, and really thinking through what that sales strategy is, because there is an art to it at the end of the day. Um, so your all of your advice um, is certainly appreciated <laughs> um, today. Uh, one of our favorite questions to ask that we'd like to finish off with is, Sean, what makes you so awesome? <laughs> Sell yourself a little bit here. Yeah, that's Put interesting. Put those skills to the test. <laughs> I don't often think of myself as awesome. It's funny you say sales expert, and I'm like, yeah, says me. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, in, in all truthfulness, um, I, I don't know what – I just uh, go back to what I said before. I enjoy people. I mean, uh, you know, here we are sitting here in the evening, and as far as I'm concerned at this point, we could just sit here and talk for a couple hours. It wouldn't really bother me. I'd probably want to drink, but um, – I enjoy working with people. I enjoy connecting with people. I've done a lot of work with family-owned businesses. And the reason I keep coming back is because it is a family. And if you make a relationship, they treat you like family. Again, you're not just a number. You're not somebody that, you know, yeah, yeah, we hired that guy. What was his name again? Right? It's a little different experience. And and that's what I find the value. So uh, I I guess what what makes me, I I still don't like the word awesome, but uh, actually that word dates me too, if I use that word, doesn't it? Awesome. I don't it's, think so. it's only audio. <laughs> Nobody sees your face here. You're, yeah, well, but that word is something that I used when I was young. That's what I'm saying. Is it coming back? Is it like uh, a full maybe, circle? Maybe. Um, if you saw me, you could tell me. I'll leave it up to the listeners. Next okay. time they see me, if they hear me speak, they can come up and tell me what they think might be awesome or not. We'll go from there. Well, with that, thank you to our guest, Sean Case Moore, for joining us. We think you're awesome. I would also like to thank our co-hosts, Graham Taylor and Sarah Flanagan. The Center for Family Business is a community organization supporting, educating, and energizing family business in Waterloo Region, Ontario, Canada. If you would like to know more about the CFFB, please visit our website at cffb.ca and press the join button on the top right hand side. Thank you for listening and we hope to have you at the next CFFB podcast. See you next time.